Hi, welcome to On The Daily Season 2, a podcast focusing on authentic and acoustic entrepreneurship. My name is Danielle McCleary. I am your host. Y'all, I just left a nine-year fitness career to pursue full-time entrepreneurship, so I am in the trenches with you, but I got big dreams of being a millionaire and helping other people to become millionaires as well. So together, we're going from stuck to unstoppable, and I'm so excited that you're here for this ride. Let's freaking go. Hello on the Daily Family. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited it's April. I can't, I mean, honestly, I'm a little shook that it's April, but whatever. I say that every year. I say that every month. I say that all the time. And can't you believe it's already 2022? Anyway, welcome back to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, as always. This incredible human's name is Ira Briones. They are a Filipino ex-immigrant. They moved to New York City eight years ago, and that unlocked so much of a journey for this incredible human. They are a Reiki practitioner, theta healer, uh, a teacher. And I think when we're on our own spiritual journeys and our own healing paths, we have so much to offer other people who are maybe not as far along in theirs as we are with ours. And Ira is a person who is very much still on their journey and they are here to share. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I think that you will. So much of healing, or I feel like so much of entrepreneurship is healing. And I feel like we can't be true entrepreneurs and continue to grow our business unless we've done the shadow work and kind of gotten down to the depths of our own soul. And, you know, that shadow work and those that the the darkness and the the things that we need to heal from are generational. They are societal, they are systemic, you know, and a lot of it is conditioning. And I think one thing Ira does so powerfully is speak to the minority and the the groups of people that maybe didn't grow up with as much hope or privilege or whatever it is. And it's just a really beautiful look into how to heal no matter where you're from or, you know, what you do. One thing that I think Ira does so beautifully is they know firsthand the dynamics involved in offering aid to marginalized communities, often lacking a deeper level of empowerment. And I think that came from their own growth and work. I imagine it did. And in this episode, we talk all about it. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Ira Briones. And before we get into the episode, I just have to talk about almond cow. I don't know if you've heard of almond cow. I don't know if you have an almond cow, but if you don't have an almond cow, here is your sign to get one. I drink an obscene amount of nut milk and our family goes through so much of it because we drink smoothies every day. And we buy so much of it. And it's hard because so much nut milk out there is not great for you. And it's full of like carrageenan or preservatives or added sugars or weird fillers. And I just feel like it doesn't need to be that way. That's one problem. And two, it's expensive. We go, we used to go through like six of those milked hazelnut cartons every single month at least. I mean, probably more than that, if I'm being honest. Um, But we used to spend so much money on those and they're not recyclable because they have wax in the carton and it's just not a sustainable practice. So Almond Cow is a company that created a nut milk maker, but not one that gives you a headache and is a ton of cleanup. It's literally, you get this drum that you put the whatever nuts you want. We love making hazelnuts. You can do oat, you can do coconut, you can do almond, you can do pistachio, you can do macadamia, like you can do cashew. You can make alcoholic drinks in there. I mean, there's so much you can do with this thing, but you basically, you put the nuts in the drum, you add water to the carafe, you push a button on top, it grinds it all up, it creates the nut milk, and then you pour it into these little jars that they send you that look like those old-fashioned milk jars. They're amazing. I highly suggest you go check them out at Almond Co. at their Almond Cow website. And at checkout, if you get their starter pack, which comes with the machine, the nuts, and the jars, um, use my code Danielle15. So Danielle15 at checkout, and it's going to give you a discount. And then you can tag me in it and thank me later because they're amazing. Let's get into this episode. 
I am so excited for y'all to meet this incredible soul. You are listening. Hopefully you're watching. If you've never watched an episode of this podcast on YouTube, I highly suggest that you do it because you get to see these incredible humans. I am staring at Ira Briones and I'm just so happy you're here. Thank you so much for coming on on The Daily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to finally meet you. I've been stalking your Instagram for the last couple of weeks because that's that's what we do now in life, right? When we're going to work with someone or interview them on a podcast, the natural thing to do first is to spy on them. I, I, I did the same way. I did the same thing with you. So I totally get it. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. It used to be like, look up their resumes or, you know, ask for their CV. Now, mm-hmm. like nobody cares about your CV. I want to know, I want to know what you're doing on Instagram. <laughs> I'm loving how casual it is though. Like kind of more human in a lot of ways, just really getting I- to know people that way. Wait, that's a really good point. I actually was having that conversation with somebody the other day. I was like, you know, people say that the internet's not real and you can't have like honest connections with people on the internet, but I've actually found that that's not the case. I actually feel that sometimes I make more genuine connections because of the connections I've made on Instagram or, you know, through my podcast or TikTok or wherever it is than I ever did in real life because it it's, you know, we put ourselves onto the internet and I at least put myself onto the internet. I know you do as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's a yeah. really interesting point. That's true. Yeah. I feel like maybe in the beginning, there was a lot more of like performance on the internet, but I feel like there's this movement of just people wanting more authenticity and just wanting to be really seen and heard like in their authentic selves through wherever they are in their, on the internet and the platform. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So tell me about you a little bit. You are an immigrant to America, eight years in New York City from the Philippines. You are a non-binary, like full holistic healing coach. And I'm just so fascinated by everything that you are and your story and your mission. And I would love to know like when all of this started for you. Mm. So the whole the transitioning into a healing coaching profession started out during the pandemic. But my sense is that the journey has been unfolding since over a decade ago when I got into the activism sphere in the Philippines. So at that time, I wasn't really out. Um, I identified as bisexual then. And then I, through like a friend, um, I got involved in some political work and activism work in trans and queer spaces in Manila. And I felt like that really activated a lot of like both wounds and healing at the same time for me and just started, started that expansion in a lot of different ways. And it was through that journey where I felt like, okay, I'm wanting to grow in this um, path. And at that time I was doing mostly um, nonprofit work and community organizing work around um, sexual health and rights, specifically for queer and trans communities there and in the Asia Pacific region. And I'm, I was wanting some mentorship but mentorship in the Philippines isn't as big a deal as it is here in the U.S. Like there's a lot of, as a developing country, there's a lot of survival mindset and like people are very willing to support you, but not in a more formal mentorship capacity that I was looking for. So I was like, if I want to grow in this path, probably grad school is the option for me. And so given that my um, my interest is not exactly in the traditional space, I wanted to look more into LGBTQ policy and health and welfare. Um, it had to be somewhere progressive, which was New York. And so I, I found um, a DIY program at NYU that allowed me to weave all these things together and just fell in love with the city. And started oh my gosh, you built, your own, <laughs> you built your own educational track. That's amazing. <laughs> I, did. I, I, didn't, I didn't imagine that would be possible for me, but it was such an interesting um, exploration. There was nothing about healing um, in that stage of my life yet, other than knowing that I was really deep in depression and PTSD, which I've been um, working through for most, most of my life. And so the healing exploration actually started out as a personal journey. So I was just really into energy healing and all these different modalities for myself. Mm. I even started out really as a skeptic. When you found like activ- activism and you were, you said you weren't out, what was the political climate around LGBT in Manila for those who don't know? 
It's um, a lot of people would say that it's friendly enough just because we're not a very confrontational culture. So oh. socially, there's some level of, I, I, th- I guess I always describe it as when I moved here, I felt more um, comfortable being myself, but I felt less physically safe. Because in the Philippines, like people are, they would talk behind your back, they would gossip about it, they would have opinions about it, but they wouldn't like walk up to you and tell you to your face what their opinion is about who you are, which kind of happens here in the US more. Right, right, um, right. yeah. Yeah, so like there's some degree of social acceptance, politically still very backwards. We're the only country in the world um, that still doesn't have divorce, which says a lot. <laughs> Like you can't legally get divorced in the Philippines? No, no. There's a there's annulment, which is a more expensive and more um, tedious process. So a lot of people just separate um, without the legal procedure. Wow, wow. That I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So so then you obviously so yeah so moving to the states and. I'm sure moving to the States was a huge culture shock in general because, you know, obviously a lot more people in the States are very out and very confident in who they are. Mm-hmm. And did that kind of spark a lot of that need to heal a lot of, I mean, I'm sure that was generational mm-hmm. trauma. That was all sorts of trauma that was probably mm-hmm. coming up for you. Like, did that kind of spark this like need to dive deep? <laughs> yeah, I I feel like, so when I wasn't out, I wasn't in the, the queer circles in Manila and the queer circles there were, at least the ones I was involved in were, I would say were smaller compared to all that's available here now. But I feel like at that point in my life, I've had a lot of um, relationships and communities that are really out there. And like I've started like organizing as well. And so that bit, I actually, it was easier for me to own. Um, and that was that kind of got me into this really out and proud mode, like even before I got to the US. Okay. And the healing was mostly around, I guess, some traumatic experiences in childhood and like some limiting conditioning as well that has been throughout just being identifying as non-binary and queer. Even if like on a conscious level, I know I've overcome them. There's some energetic underpinnings that were still very present. But I was still, like, I was um organizing for 10 years and it was just around three years ago when I uncovered the limiting belief where I still felt like who I am was a sin that that was still operating in the background and that was still like kind of showing up in different ways that I wasn't aware of even if everything that I say is not about that anymore right like you've now created a career and a business around the opposite of that but then you still feel it coming up I relate to that so mm-hmm. much. There are so many times in my business where I'm coaching people and I'll be like, this is, you know, you need to, you need to realize it'll, maybe it's around like self-worth, maybe it's around like money or, you know, whatever the the topic is. And then I'll feel those activate. I call my triggers activations now because I'm like, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's activating something inside of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'll feel those activations come up and it's wild. And I mean, can you talk about that when those moments come up in your business things that you thought you healed, how do you move through that? Because I know mm-hmm. I have, like, I've had to work through a lot of those feelings and it used to be when those feelings came up, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm a fraud. Am I a fraud? Mm-hmm. I haven't actually healed this. How can I be helping people through this if I haven't healed? And I would go down this spiral, right? And mm-hmm. obviously I've worked through a lot of that now, but how have you dealt with that over the years? Like very, very similar in the beginning that resonates a lot around like questioning all the progress that I've made, like all the work that I've done in myself and that imposter syndrome around who am I to hold this space for other people and these things are still coming up for me. But more and more as you like really open up to all the lessons available in all of the the things that could come up, the more you see that it's just always just layers of things that are unfolding and the more you allow these things to unfold for you it actually strengthens like all all the things that the foundations that you've already created and it all adds up to how you can hold space for other people and just really that next level of lesson that you can share that next level of lesson that you can embody for yourself so yeah it's definitely just facing it head on and just sitting with the discomfort of that of feeling like okay 
this doesn't feel good that I'm back to this, but what does this mean? Really get, getting curious around it. Yeah. It makes you more human almost for mm-hmm. people. You do a, um, you do a lot of work now with minority groups, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and the LGBT community. And I really want to talk about this. And I, I, I try, I tiptoe into this because it, it often, um, is a very controversial topic, but Oh, well, here we go. I want to talk about the healing space and, you know, the personal development space in Mm -hmm. terms of the big picture. But then also I have felt in the past that, and you can tell me if you agree. And if you do not tell me that as well, um, I have felt that the healing space, the personal development space is very on a, on a surface level geared toward one type of reality and one type of person. And that person Mm. is usually someone that is white and is, you know, pretty like unaffected by, you know, any, I mean, everybody has conditioning, everybody has conditioning, everybody has generational trauma, everyone, like, it doesn't matter your race, doesn't matter your sexuality, doesn't matter your religion or anything. Everybody has it. I've just often seen um, personal development work in a very you can work through anything. Like it doesn't matter. Like you can just unlearn. And mm-hmm. I agree with that. I do believe that anyone can unlearn anything. And I do believe that like with enough devotion to that that self-work, you can move through anything. And I think that a lot of people miss that if you are from the Philippines, let's say, and your entire childhood was through a specific lens, that is going to be a certain type of conditioning that is not just going to be able to be healed by reading The Universe Has Your Back by Gabby Bernstein. <laughs> Can you speak to that? Yeah, happy to. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you for bringing that, this up. Um, so I feel like when I was transitioning from nonprofit work and I, when I was like deep and in the height of my activism, like I was really fueled by like anger and those like very heavier mm. energies that I know um, a lot of the healing spaces, at least here in the U.S. that I've encountered, doesn't really have space for, right? It's always kind of, you know, like all like rainbows. Disregarded as low vibration. Yeah. Anger low is vibe. a low vibration. Just ignore yeah. it. Just ignore it. <laughs> Which like, ang- if we're talking like, it's so crazy because so many there's there's truth to it and then it gets mm-hmm. taken so far because actually anger is a low vi- like if we're talking about by actual vibrational frequency anger is a lower vibrational frequency but I think then people just go so we're just gonna ignore that we're just gonna <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah yeah totally like what they call um, bypassing right um, mm. but I feel like so that was one of my the first. Um, dilemmas that I've had to kind of really explore and integrate is what does my, my question was, what does my activism voice sound like along with my healing voice? Like what do the messages sound like from a space where I know that there are these systemic and structural structural things that are problematic and needs to be addressed. And also like integrating that healing, the concepts of healing and like inner work around that like because I'm sure there's a connection right I, I know it's not often explored but for sure it's not just one or the other mm-hmm. and so yeah I'm, I'm glad you brought this up and for me that that is the work just recognizing that they are interrelated and that my path now that I'm choosing to do is using those like inner work tools and practices to build power from there that ripples out and affects the more structural and systemic level yeah because I mean there's so I I think about this in terms of business and entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. and there are so many people from all walks of life not wanting to work for anyone else right now. Like I think this is – I actually was just having this conversation while I was in Mexico last week with a friend who is – he uh, speaks Portuguese. He's from Portugal, from like Brazil. His, his, he's his family from all over the place. And he goes, you know, so many – there's so many people out there that know that they don't want to work for someone else right now. They know that. They have uh, they have come to the t- determination that they are no longer interested in being a hamster on a wheel, and they don't know how to now make that jump from employee to entrepreneurial mindset. And a lot of people, especially in minority communities, are struggling with it worse because of the conditioning that they had from the time they were little. Like being told, you know, in certain communities, you're told 
You're not allowed to go off and do things on your own. You have to stay in boxes. You know, you think about the LGBT community that, you know, I was very fortunate that I, I did not have this reality. Like for me coming out was not, it was a non-issue. Like it was just, I am now with this woman and everybody can either get on board or I don't care. Like I, but I grew up in Los Angeles. That was my reality. Like I grew up in a very, didn't matter. Right. And, and that was my reality and that is not everyone's reality. And, you know, you, there is this, there is, I I do believe that I, I agree with you. I think there's this like systemic thing that nobody wants to address and it's a very hard subject to, to approach if you've never dealt with it because you don't know how to get people over that hump of, no, you you can unlearn that societal conditioning, that systemic conditioning. You can unlearn that and it takes very deep healing work. And so I would love for you to talk about some of that healing work that you you do with people, primarily in minority communities, that helps them get over those humps so that they can feel empowered to do whatever they want to do. Mm, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so as this work unfolds further for me, the theme that I'm really seeing around, like, of course, there's always um, a lot of moving pieces and I work with entrepreneurs as well. And and I'll get to that on why in, in a little bit. I really see this um, arc of my work as being around the theme of power. And that's something that I've like struggled to kind of even embrace for myself in the beginning. It's something that, you know, kind of is a little intimidating to think about and just really complex in a lot of ways, especially there's like privilege in there and like money in there and all these things that like we tend to kind of label as evil and just this, this all the layers of, of complexities on there. And I have chosen to work with entrepreneurs specifically, well, on a personal level, I was raised by a single mom who I've seen like build things up and fail and build again. And so entrepreneurship has that really special place in my heart. And also I truly believe that with how entrepreneurship is just set up to build networks and structures, like it's the perfect vehicle to kind of shape things up in terms of power dynamics on a structural and systemic level. Oh, I love that you said that. I love that you said that. I think I, I, I say it all the time. I think entrepreneurship is the truly the one place where you can be from any walks of life. You can have any upbringing. You can pray to whoever. You can sleep with whoever. You can vote for whoever and still have equal and equitable space at a table. And that because it's created, it's it's self-driven. It's self-motivated. Continue. I just, I, that yeah. like... I got very excited about that. I don't know if you no, can tell. I love that it resonates. <laughs> yeah, I, I get so excited about that too. And yeah, because I I know it's like I'm jumping all over the place, but I, it's going to come together, I promise. <laughs> Fine. So, I, this is, that's the theme of my podcast. <laughs> Jump around, come back to it eventually. <laughs> um, so when, when I was um, working in, in the nonprofit sphere, especially since um, as a develop, de- developing country, the Philippines receives a lot of aid um, for the for the project, the works we do for communities. And I just see the power dynamics in that, where I know that it's important to support like the basic needs that people need for them to be able to move forward and do other things. But then I know that it typically stops there and it's lacking a deeper level of empowerment that I've seen in my coaching and healing work when a person really wakes up to their inherent power and worth from within. And so that's what I'm really wanting to kind of um, really see for our communities. That's the vision is doing that work individually for ourselves already has a ripple effect, but doing that as entrepreneurs, I can imagine the impact just getting magnified and just being more, more meaningful for more people. I, yes, I love that you said that. And what can you talk about the like that balance? I'm sure you this is another thing you deal with a lot is this this balance between the mindset of i need I need it to come to me because I need to be taken care of. And you know what? I can do this myself. like that that's a I feel like that's a very fine line. I was speaking to a good friend of mine who um, is in the black community of l a and she she does a lot of this work as well, where she works with people who generationally are very taken care of by the government. maybe maybe it's through food stamps, maybe it's through like government projects, like whatever it is. And 
therefore not in the entrepreneurial mindset. And so she does a lot of work with those communities to help them kind of overcome that generational conditioning, that societal systemic conditioning. And, you know, as a black woman herself, she's dealt with a lot of, um, backlash being like, you know, this is, you're trying to, you know, there's been so many things that have been said and her, her, her experience is no, no, no. Like I am just trying to help people to overcome when they want, when they're ready to do so, because this is not, it's not entrepreneurship is not for everyone. Of course it's not for everyone, but the people that it is for, we can work through that. It's going to be harder for some people because of everything they've ever known. Mm. So can you talk a little bit about that line between it's okay to receive and, you know, give, and then there's a moment where you have to go, okay, but I'm no longer going to live in this. I'm going Mm -hmm. to overcome. Yeah. For me, what's, what, what that's sparking for me really is the come from place when they're making these decisions, right? Whether they're choosing, to stay wherever that path is that is comfortable or choosing to overcome that and build something else or like venture out somewhere else, whether it's entrepreneurship or not. And for me, that's always um, putting down to making sure you're in an empowered place when you make that choice. Cause there's, that's, that's the difference actually, especially um, and it's something that I, I'm mindful of like bringing into like the spaces that I, I hold for people is that whatever that choice is, as long as you're sure that it's coming from a place of power, that that centeredness is there, then that's the path for you. That's, that's the way for you. And that may change, that may not, but at every point when you're making that decision, you always go back to that centered, empowered place. And power in terms of just like feeling like it came from you instead of it was dictated for you. Yes. And um, I, I think that is, um, that is accurate. And at the same time, there's also like a deeper energetic component to that, right? There's this quality alignment that we're looking for that just comes into place. And sometimes like, even if that suggestion has come from external, some something external from you. If it still resonates in a powerful way, then it, it can still be an empowered choice. Like a full body. Yes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I do. I I'm like a human design girl. And like, I, oh, I love I, oh, same. I, I was such an astrology person for so long. Like I studied astrology forever. And, um, you know, obviously I love the Enneagram and I love the Maya Briggs and I love, I love the Kabbalah and I love the I Ching and I love all these other things. And then it all came together with human design and really leaning into like my sacral intuition and sitting with that that feeling of what you're talking about, that feeling of power is for me, my sacral saying, absolutely, hell yes, in this moment. Are you a manager or generator? I'm a generator. I'm a 6'2", sacral generator. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I'm a manager, 4'6". Okay. Sacral, that's all. Yeah. Okay. Regal authority figure, I see you. Um, That makes actually perfect sense. And so- So when you're working with clients that maybe came from, I'm just trying to think like, I want to know about some of your healing modalities and Mm -hmm. like some of these modalities that you like really work people through. Is there, and is there resistance to it from, you know, have you, have you come with resistance? I know that for me, some of like these healing modalities in terms of, you know, maybe it's Reiki, maybe it's this theta, the theta healing that I want you to talk about, you know it gets met even human design. I mean, it's especially from religious backgrounds, it's met with a lot of like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. That goes against mm-hmm. my religious upbringing. And, um, you know, we've worked through a lot of that and I believe it's all connected. You know, I, I'm like, there's no way that all these things that have the same value for me, at least this is my, I mean, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but for me, I'm like, there's no way that all of these things that speak like highest good and, you know, love and all of the, all of these really amazing things are all different people or entities. Like, <laughs> like there's just no way that they're all different, you know? So I would love to know like some of these healing modalities that you've worked through and some of those like speed bumps or obstacles or things that you've had to work through with different clients and how those have transpired for you. Yeah. Um, so one of the energy healing modalities that I bring in, uh, especially in my coaching is theta healing. 
So it's this, if, if you're familiar with, with Reiki and you know that it's tapping into this universal life force energy, but coursing it through the practitioner's body, I, my sense is similar to how you feel like these are all like connected, like these are all part of the same energy um, of the universe. Um, I see it the same way that I feel like this theta healing process is also tapping into that same uh, universal life force energy. But instead of channeling it through the body, the practitioner connects to that energy to support and witness the releasing of energies, the shifting of subconscious beliefs, so that the energy that's been stuck in these old patterns, old beliefs, gets freed up and gets used to get gets to be used in other other things in in that person's life. And for a long time, so that was the first modality actually that I've learned for myself for my own healing that really released a lot of the things that I was carrying and that really shifted my life, my relationships. It's it's just a game changer for me. And I had that um, hesitation around sharing that with people, around feeling woo-woo of sorts. And even like, actually, I was a, very much a skeptic when I came in. I didn't get the Theta Healing session before I studied it. I wanted to know how it works. So I jumped into a class with that like deep skepticism. I was like, I'm going to find out. I'm not going to let somebody just like do stuff to me. I want to learn how this works. And then like, now I'm here. <laughs> but Yeah. You're like, I'm going to figure this out before you do any sort of magic on me. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, um, when I was deep in that like hesitation of really being visible in my energy work, um, that's one of the, the reasons why I studied coaching. Because I felt like this would be a more acceptable vessel in which like people will be open to learning about the energy part of it, um, which of course, like eventually I found out how like powerful of a tool it is on its own and just really opened up to embracing it and being more visible about it. And now I just really meet people where they're at. So when they're more religious, I use the word God. If they're not, I, and then I ask them, like, how do you refer to this life force energy? Is it universe? Is it God? Is it life? Is it breath? Like, whatever that is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I yeah, do the same. I do the same. I say, mm-hmm. like, is it universe, God, source, wh- whoever you pray to? Like, yeah. Like, it, it doesn't that. have to be one or the other. And it's not, it really is like an inclusive space. I think that healing can be healing and higher good and all of these ideas that we talk about can be, especially when applied toward, you know, personal growth and growth in business or whatever it is, it is inclusive and it really is. It speaks to, it speaks to everyone, you know, and I, I love that we said that. I love that that's something we talked about because there aren't, especially in the world we live in today that is so focused on dividing people. I really do feel like this is a space that when we really focus on like all of it, it really can be an inclusive space for every human and can mm-hmm. ultimately be, I, I I think like ultimately can be what heals, what heals people. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting too, how, like, as you've described, the space has been very much catered to very limited experiences, right? As you mentioned, like mostly white, um, mostly female identifying, um, and, and but when you look at the roots of a lot of these practices, they're very diverse. Like a lot of them have like East Asian roots and there's all these things. So it's just interesting how how when it became mainstream that this is what it started to look like. And then it started becoming less accessible for people who are actually connected to like has roots in these like cultures where a lot of these modalities has, has uh, sprouted from. Oh, my gosh, that's such a good point. I I. I... That I feel that so deep. I feel, I was noticing that like with Reiki, especially mm-hmm. there's so many Reiki has become such a like bougie, expensive thing, especially in the United States. And if you think about like who started doing Reiki, it was not, you know, a woman in Beverly Hills out of her very expensive, which like, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm sure it works also. And it, it just goes back to really knowing where something came from and like respecting it on like a deeper level than just, oh, well, somebody told me I needed to go get Reiki. So here I am like really understanding like where these practices come from and how transformational they can be, mm-hmm. you know, and keeping them accessible for all, I think is just so, so, so important. When we talk about how important do you think 
this type of work is for the business owner, for the entrepreneur. Because it's, again, this is, I kind of mentioned before we hit record, this is a, we don't talk about this. Like, I I am very interested lately in creating a spiritual business. I kind of mentioned this to you. I want everybody that works with me, I want it to be a full transformational coaching process. I want it to be something that we don't just focus surface level on like how to make more money. Like we really, I really want people to work through that deep shit, that stuff that like, it doesn't matter how many businesses you start. It doesn't matter, you know, who, how many clients you have. If you don't heal the identity it's never, you're always going to come back on this loop always. And so I would love for you to like touch on that. How important do you think this work is when you're, when you're jumping into that entrepreneurial space? Yeah, it's crucial for me. It's, it's an essential piece. And I know, and I'm glad to see that it's, it feels like the coaching industry in general is kind of slowly making that shift from, okay, I'm the coach. Here's what you do. Here are the tactics. Here are the strategies that you have to do, blah, blah, blah. And then just like you follow, like, even if it's against the grain of who you are and yeah, like more and more like conscious coaches are really bringing in this element of, okay, there's you and you are at the center of your business and like you, your energy, your whole being is what defines how the rest of this will look like. And so really deepening into your awareness, understanding and your relationship with that will really influence all the strategies. And I am of the belief that any of these strategies can work as long as you can get your energy fully behind them. Otherwise, you have temporary fixes like you you describe where like they try this, it works for a time, and then they get back into the old pattern. So that's yeah, crucial for me, especially with my own experience as well. Yeah, I'll kind of give an example. And if you have any, mm-hmm. I, we, I would love to hear mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in like a very um, hectic household. My parents got divorced when I was two. My mom was remarried when I was five. My dad had been remarried twice after my mom, once before my mom. And it was just, my dad was busy. He was a CFO. He was gone all the time. He was on business. He was working a lot and everything was just busy, 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 stress, 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 right? My mom was a stay-at-home mom and that came with its own, she always needed to be doing something. And I realize now that I think that was more, my mom just, um, in order for her to feel worthy, she had to stay busy because otherwise in her heart, she didn't feel like she was worthy of this amazing title, you know, and maybe feeling like stay at home mom like wasn't enough, right? Which of course it was, but there was just like healing there that needed to happen. So I grew up with that feeling like, oh, I have to be busy. And as a child, I was busy. I was on swim team. I was a dancer. I was a cheerleader. I was, you know, in the student I was student body president or whatever it was at the time. And maybe it was like a different title, but I was just, I played softball. Like I was busy and I wore that busy, like a badge of honor. So then as an adult, especially over the last few months, as I have left like a corporate career in fitness and I had already started like entrepreneurial things on the side, but I had that safety net of corporate fitness to, you know, this is my safety net. And I finally jumped away from that. And then I spent the two months after leaving, just filling my plate with as many things as I possibly could. And I had a moment, this was like, I mean, this was only like two weeks ago. I had this realization where I was like, whoa, this is a pattern that I have not actually healed and I have not dealt with because it keeps coming back up in my business, in my personal life, where if I am not busy, if I am not doing something, I feel inadequate. And that's not an outward feeling. That's like a very, very deeply rooted subconscious feeling. And that is why I am not, there are, you know, I'm I'm sitting here going, why is nothing happening? Everything's happening so slow. And it's, I'm realizing like, oh my gosh, it's because you're trying to pack your life with all these things that are not full body yeses, are not coming from a place mm-hmm. of power. And therefore the universe, God, whoever it is, is not able to give you all of these things that you actually want because you're just, you're so stuck on this like loop of stay busy, you are worthy. Stay busy, you are worthy. Mm -hmm. And so my biggest thing I'm working through right now is stillness. And it's actually, pardon my French, it's actually really fucked up because every card I have 
drawn from every Oracle deck or every tarot deck or every single, like I follow Chris Corsini on Instagram and he always does like the tarot readings and everything for a Sagittarius has been like patience. Every card <laughs> ideal is like patience, stillness. The best action is non-action. And I'm like, I can get it. And this is so not who I am. And I literally, every card I draw is stillness. And so that's my practice right now is kind of sitting in these like, and a lot of it is going into these theta states and really practicing meditation on a deeper level. And, but it's true because if I don't heal that, it's not going anywhere. It's going to keep coming back up. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter how many businesses I start that will always come back around and it will always hold me back. Always. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's resonating in so many ways for me. Um, oh, really? But yeah, so let me figure out which one to go first. Um, so just on the on the, that level of, um, since we're talking about like the personal and the systemic kind of staying connected, like that belief has come up with a lot of folks that, that um, I've supported as well. And I found that this really connects to kind of a, a larger theme around struggle that's very present in communities with uh, histories of marginalization, right? Yes, yeah. we have individual experiences of how our parents kind of handed, like we've witnessed that those things in our parents and how that those have been passed on, but it has translated into this like culture of struggle and sacrifice where we feel like to be worthy, there has to be that exchange. So that mm. for you, it's time or like that, I don't know, something taking away. So your resources and with that busyness. And mm. that's something that is a pattern that a lot of historically marginalized entrepreneurs have been playing in. And we don't realize that. And so stillness for me has been a big lesson as well and slowing down. And for the longest time, I've made it mean like I'm not getting anywhere if I'm still, or I'm not accomplishing things getting towards my goal if I'm still. But the lesson that's unfolding for me is that stillness can actually involve some level of movement as long as there's presence in it. Yes. And that's what I'm that's what I'm learning that okay, I can be present as I'm moving through these things. And that mm -hmm. still is a form of stillness. That still takes me to that centered place. I don't know how that resonates yeah. with you. Oh my gosh, it resonates so deeply. Yeah. I mean, and and that's been something that I'm working through too, because it's like, okay, I'm moving, but I'm also patient. Moving, but patient. Moving, but not trying to fill my plate for the sake of filling my plate, but really looking for those things to put in my life that actually light me up, mm. that I actually want to be doing, that are coming from that place of power, like you say. Mm. And I think for an entrepreneur, yes. that's really hard because there's also that pressure of making money. You want to be successful, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and especially I think in a marginalized community, you know, if you come from lack and that's been, that's been what's ingrained into you, there probably is even more of a sense of like, oh, well, I have to keep moving. I got to keep, I'll just, however I can make money, doesn't matter. Even if that isn't what I want to be doing, I'm going to do it anyway, because that's, you know, that's how I prove that I'm worthy and so yeah, sometimes sitting in that stillness, even if you are moving, but it's moving in a more intentional way versus mm -hmm. just throwing spaghetti at the wall mm. all the time. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to talk about this, like um, like the the balance of masculine and feminine like feminine energy. Cause I think especially, you know, people who don't understand like that the difference, people think like masculine is male, feminine is female. And Obviously, feminine masculine energy is something completely different. And I think in the LGBT community for women, especially like as like a female in relationship with an identifying female, I have been, I mean, not just for this reason, but this is definitely part of it. I've been in my masculine energy for a really long time. And it's been a lot of like, go active, productive, figure it out, structure, like, like that that hard core, keep moving, don't rest mentality that comes with masculine energy. And so my I, part of that stillness is also coming home to my feminine energy again, which is so wild. Cause I'm also, I grew up a dancer, like, and, and I always thought that like my ability to like know my body and to like be in my mm -hmm. breath was, was the feminine. And that's part of it, of course, but it it's so much deeper than that. And I would love to know, because you do so much, I, you, I assume you do so much work with the the non-binary and the trans communities. How does that come up? 
that balance of masculine and feminine energy in terms of healing? You know what? So in terms of business, um, in, in the form of like coaching that I do now, I'm I'm only start I've only just recently started really being bolder in claiming that okay, this work is for historically marginalized entrepreneurs. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, and I can I, even I, see your body, your body language when you just said that, <laughs> like even saying that out loud was like your whole body released a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much freedom in being able to just really claim that for myself and really step into that um, mission. Um, and I do hear conversation a lot around this come up a lot about because people still project a lot of gender um, issues on the masculine, the feminine, and it's not, um, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's just where they are in their journey where, and it's, and structurally it, there is basis for people to, to feel that way about it. Right. And so I, I, I do like how, how you kind of clarified with the language of doing and some people say doing and being and just being in action or receiving and I feel like it's it's a good way to kind of ground that into something more neutral without touching on like the the rawness of the, the gender um structure and the like the expectations and all the things that we have challenging experiences around um of course. but yeah that really does speak to me as well around this theme of or like people from historically marginalized communities just having a more difficult time receiving. Mm. And so always this theme of things have to be hard, like money has to be hard, kind of like really ingrained in, in, in our beliefs. And like one of my mentors would say, how you do money is how you do everything. And I'm starting to see now. Yeah. It's such and an so, energy. Money's energy. Yeah, totally. And so a lot of it is just really seeing that pattern of, as you said, like that, that pattern of like overworking and feeling like money has to be hard. It all kind of um, is interconnected and not, uh, not really allowing ourselves to believe that, you know what, it can be easy. Like money can be easy and I can just receive in a way that, the, that this, this option is available for, for me. Mm-hmm. And my partner and I actually had this conversation around Okay, but what if like your style is really more of the like doing and like that's what motivates you and that's what gets you there? And I'm like, yeah, sure, if that's like what you want to do. But if there's an option that is available, why why would we not want that to be available for our communities, right? It, it feels like a lot of other communities are tapping into that ease, tapping into that receiving and why can't we be in that space as much? And why can't it be an, an empowered choice to be in that space versus in the in the more more hard work oriented kind of space? Yeah, I mean, you could say, I guess like you could call it masculine versus feminine energy. You could mm-hmm. also call it yin versus yang. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like that yin is that more like that feminine energy, that like place of like birth and creation and mm-hmm. and and receiving and pleasure right where that masculine energy is more of that young which is like go strategy do action you know and i feel like i i feel like a lot of people in the entrepreneurial space are very in that that like that masculine flow that yang that yang flow that grind flow cuz that's where we've been told maybe maybe consciously or subconsciously that we have to be in order to find success. And a a good friend of mine, a mentor of mine said, you know, nothing, no business. I don't care if it's Jeff Bezos. I don't care if it's Elon Musk. I don't care who it is. No business was ever created, created, birthed in a masculine flow. It was Mm -hmm. always created in a yin feminine energy because that's where, that's where creation happens. That's where that flow Mm -hmm. happens. And another dear friend of mine, TJ, who I know is going to hear this. She's this, she's incredible. She's trans woman. And she's been, her and I have had a lot of conversations about moving from, you know, that transition to this beautiful, empowered woman that she is. She's dealt with a lot of that feeling guilt around masculine versus feminine, feminine energy and shame around, you know, well, I, I transitioned. So now I'm, I'm female. I I'm in my true self. I'm so now I can't be in masculine energy. And she's now coming back to this thing. Like, no, like the energy that I put into my life, into my business can still flow. And actually finding that 
that beautiful dance between masculine and feminine energy is actually making her a more empowered female, mm, which I is so that. beautiful, right? I love that. Yeah. It's so yeah. beautiful. I, I just, I think that, you know, and I always think about, and I don't know if this resonates with you at all. I always think about when we leave this human experience, right? We're not male or female. We're not he or she, they, like we're not that. And so this human experience that we're having is important, of course, because at some point, you know, whether it's God or, you know, your soul contract that you signed, you chose to have this human experience. So, you know, your your pronouns is they, my pronouns is she, and this, you know, this reality that we both live is important and valid in this lifetime. And there's this higher self, this higher good that actually has none of these labels. So what do you think about that balance in terms of, you know, the life that you live, the businesses that you create, the, you know, what you're doing in this human experience versus the ultimate higher good, which involves none of it and all of it? (laughs) Wow. That is a a deep one. Um, I'm finding that, I guess it, for me, it boils down to how you're letting these things show up in your life, right? Are you kind of holding on to them in a way that it dictates the whole thing, which, you know, that very rigid structure, or are you just allowing it to be part of your desires? Are you just allowing it to be like the pieces in the life that gives you joy and that ultimately connects you to that higher energy, right? And so for me, if you can can, can embrace it in that way and you allow things to shift and move as they will, as they feel good for you, then you can feel connected to both and not be an either or. Oh, I love that. I actually, I, I think like as an, as a non-binary human for you, like you're actually closer to that higher good because you are letting life just flow. Right. And I, I, I feel the, the same about, you know, people always say like, when did you come out? Like, when did you know you were gay? And I said, I don't even know if I identify with the label of like lesbian because I'm not attracted just to women, I'm attracted to humans. Mm -hmm. And I've come to realize through my own healing that it's not just humans that I'm attracted to. It's the light inside of them that has no gender. There's no gender to the light inside of a human. There's no... Like there's no sexual organs attached to like the internal side of a human, you know, and that, that applies to my business. Like people that I want to work with, like it, it's all about energy for me. It's all about the light that's coming from them that, you know, we all can feel if we tap into it, we can all tap into that. Like being able to feel some, like, I don't, I've never met you in person and I can feel the incredible light coming out of you just through the computer screen. And that, that takes, I think that does take a certain amount of healing and it does take a certain amount of work to be able to recognize that. But yeah, I just, I just feel, I, I just love that you say that because it, it's not one or the other, it's both. And mm-hmm. the more that we can tap into that and the more that we can, you know, and then, and then it, I, and then it go off on this like thinking tangent of like, oh my gosh, imagine if like everybody could realize that and like how much more beautiful the world would be and, you know, work environments and, you know, the way that we interact with each other. Like if we could all just recognize that we are all these beautiful light beings that are attached to the same divine source, whatever that is for you, that's peace, right? That's freedom. Yeah. And it makes me think about like the tendencies. So we're talking about labels, right? And making them kind of as um, pieces in your life rather than something that dictates your life. And it brings me back to um, my activism days when people, there would always be questions around, if I do this and if I date like someone who's like this, am I still lesbian? And just kind of letting, feeling like the, the labels dictate who we are instead of the uh, other way around. So right. yeah, that's, that's what's coming to mind around that connection to that bigger thing is that you see these labels as just pieces that you have totally have the power to mm-hmm. change and flow in and mm-hmm. like however your expression is in whatever moment of your life that gets to be you and that gets mm-hmm. to be your choice so mm-hmm. yeah I think if you're a person that is if you're listening to this and you're a person that you know still like wants to label people and that's not a bad thing by the way I'm not condemning that mm-hmm. I'm just saying if, just recognize and draw awareness to the fact like if you're a person we all do this on a certain level um, it doesn't matter how much healing you do. There's still those like 
programming that will come back up. But if you are trying really hard to put somebody in a box or label them, where is that actually coming from? Because actually, I used to do that subconsciously. And it was really just a, an activation of I hadn't done the work on myself yet. So for me, safety was projecting and putting people into spaces because if everybody fit into their space, then I felt safer. Where now I can go, you and I can have completely different truths and that's okay. And I don't need you to be in a certain box for me to feel comfortable. And that's, that is deep work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I would love for you to just give as we kind of wrap this up, by the way, I think you're amazing. I'm just so grateful for this interview. And I feel like we could talk for hours. I have a lot of marginalized individuals that listen to this show. And if I know some of them are listening right now, just thinking to themselves, gosh, I wish I could have that, that level of freedom that, you know, they're talking about right now. And if you had advice for the marginalized entrepreneur or the entrepreneur in general that is just feeling like there are things that they cannot overcome because of their upbringing, conditioning, religion, whatever it is, what would be your advice to them as they get started down this path? What's coming up for me are two things. So one is just really being able to be brave enough to really look underneath all that's happening because we can be playing out all these stories about who we are about what we're capable of what we're not capable of in our heads over and over and yes feelings will come up around that and then we loop into all these stories but if we would just be curious enough around like what's really going on how that's really making us feel and really allowing us to have the courage to sit with those things then more clarity will come around how you'll be able to move forward instead of just looping into those things and allowing these things to help hold you back. And I guess the important piece here is that's the invitation in terms of the action that you can do, but totally honoring what stage of readiness you are in and having lots of compassion for yourself around where you are in that journey and not feeling like, oh, if you're not ready yet, that means something bad about you, or that means that you're failing at, at, life or whatever it is that you're trying to do um so that compassion piece around and that courage piece in one for me has really made a huge difference and the second thing is just radical ownership of your experiences right it's um people talk about it as like don't give your power away and things like that i really don't believe that you can't you are able to give your power away it's just sometimes we tap out of it and having that ownership around our experience, good or bad, just really puts us in a space where we're able to do something about it rather than feeling like we're a victim to it. So mm. those are what's coming up for me. I love that. Ownership. Radi what did you say? Radical ownership. Radical ownership of your uh, experiences. Of your experiences. I mean, because that can be applied to so many things. I'm thinking about the people that are like, I don't have time to start a business. I don't have time because I'm just too busy. I just have... well. Have you taken radical ownership over your experience? You are, this is your life. You have chosen this life. You are this busy. And so where now, ex once you have that radical ownership, where can you fit in? You know, mm -hmm. where can you actually create that change that you so desperately want to create? You know, because you're not yeah. listening. It's like you're not, I, I, maybe, you know, I don't know who is out there listening to this, but if you're listening to this, there's a reason you're listening to this and your intuition led you here for a reason. And so- you know, that radical ownership piece, I think is just so, 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 so important. And it honestly is such a huge step in the process. It, I don't think you can, you can't have the process without it. And a lot of people can tend to contract with that feeling like that means blame in some way, but it's really not. It's empowering you. It's stepping, you stepping into your power and recognizing that there is something you can do about this experience. Yes, there may be other factors, other people whose actions may be problematic. And it's not you taking ownership about that, their actions. It's you taking ownership about how you get to experience it and how you get to move forward from it. Yeah. The thing that comes up for me is like the death of my dad. I, I sat in that like, oh, and obviously like this is 
this is my this is my example, the the thing that comes up. So there may be something else coming up for you if you're listening to this. But for me, it was that. And my dad passed and I sat in this um, victim state. Well, I'm the girl that lost her dad. And the most liberating and painful thing that I've ever done is understand that dad is gone and I can either let that break me or I can accept it and then see what can be born from that that actually is really beautiful. And it's so painful to to admit that, you know, that you can have beautiful experiences from the worst thing in your life and having that radical ownership over that that circumstance, over that experience was one of the most powerful things that I have and currently am doing. That is such a that demonstrates so beautifully, like what the essence of, of that statement is for me. So thank you for sharing that. I feel yeah. like a lot of times when people hear that, like other than possibly feeling contracted from the potentiality of being blamed for the situation, there's also this part where people can tend to feel like the way to do that is by shoving things down, <laughs> like just pushing them aside and like disregarding them. And with that story that you just shared, it de- demonstrates so beautifully that that process of taking radical ownership of the experience is not about pushing things under the rug. It's about yeah. really embracing them and really holding space for them. And one of my teachers also always talk about this and I, I know it's also um common wisdom in, in the healing communities that the whatever the challenge is, the only way out is through. So you don't like yeah. push it aside, don't push it down, you sit with it. And which is what you've done and just like mm-hmm. allow yourself to be in that grieving process and allow it to unfold into that beautiful gift that it has brought into your life. Well, and honestly, none of that would have been possible had I not done some of this healing that you've been talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, I was the master at compartmentalization. Like I <laughs> I was the queen of like, oh, don't want to deal with that right now. We're going to just whoop, that's gone. Deal with that later. And the thing is, it always came back up. Always. It never goes away forever. And, um, you know, I even tried to do that with my dad when he first passed. I was like, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep moving because that's what dad would want. And I never really sat in the grief. And once I allowed myself to sit in the grief and really, I mean, it was dark, but it from, what's the saying? From the darkest, it's always, Florence in the machine says it best. It's always (laughs) darkest before the dawn. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, thank you for, thank you for bringing those things up. If I want to work with you, how do I do that? Because someone on here, multiple people, I guarantee you, are sitting here going, okay, get to the good part. How do I find this incredible human? <laughs> well, Instagram is the, the platform where you can reach me best, where I'm announcing a bunch of freebies real soon. And my website is on the works, but you'll also find it there. So Instagram is at mix.irabrionis. So that's at mx.irabrionis. And we'll put the link to your Instagram in our show notes. So if you're listening to this and you want to go and click, thank you for your time today. I, I say this with a lot of love. I, I, you are, you have this, um, incredible nature about you that is just so polarizing in the best way. And it's just a very, it's, it's radical and it's, the world needs a lot of it. So I just really am grateful that you gave, I think time is such a gift and you gave us so much of your time today. So thank you for that. And thank you for your wisdom. And I'm just so excited to see where you go and how many, how much impact you have in this world. Cause I know, you know, that it's going to be great. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this beautiful space that you've allowed me to, to be on. And yeah, I, I'm so grateful to have connected with you today to be sharing this message in your platform. Go find Ira. (laughs) Go find Ira. If there's anything I can tell you, go find Ira. Thank you, friend. We'll talk soon. I just really have a soft spot for people that are just gifts to this earth and that have used their own trauma and healing to help others. And Ira, you are an angel. You are a saint. You are just all of the things that I 
wish and hope that I am embodying in my own existence and speaking with you was such an incredible, incredible experience. I I hope that you share this episode with somebody who needs it or you think somebody who it would benefit. Please share it with them. Share it to your Instagram. Uh, you can always tag me at Danielle underscore on the daily. You can also tag uh, the podcast at on the daily pod. And if you share this episode, please tag Ira on Instagram at MX, that's M as in Mary, X dot Ira Briones, spelled I R A B R I O N E S, at MX dot Ira Briones. And Ira has been so generous to offer all of the things for the On the Daily listeners. Um, so if you love this episode, head over to uh, the show notes of our episode, either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get. And I'm going to put a bunch of links in here. Ira is offering a um, free empowered entrepreneurship reflection sheet for our listeners. So you can go find the link to that in our show notes. Also, there is a group coaching program that's starting on April 11th that Ira would be happy to have you in. And the, any Ira's offering for three people of of the people who listen to on the daily, three of you are going to um, if you if you enroll in the April eleventh coaching program, uh, you are going to get also a free thirty minute one on one session with Ira themselves. So go click all these links, go explore, go hang out with Ira on Instagram, get to know them and. I hope that you have the day that you need. We will be back on Friday with another episode. Love you.